Washed Up Emo sponsors New Belgium Brewing are celebrating their 30th anniversary as a company. To celebrate, they're releasing Wild Ride Amber IPA, a happy tribute to their iconic fat tire. Even better, New Belgium Brewing are giving away bikes and gear all year. Find out more information by visiting newbelgium.com. Do you ever wonder if your favorite band is emo? Tired of being in the same conversation with friends? Not knowing if you're listening to post-hardcore, screamo, emo revival, emo emo violence, even ska. We're We're here here to to help. help. The Emo Council is here staffed and ready for any question you may have. Hey, Emo Council, just wondering if Green Day was considered an emo band. Thanks. Green Day is not an emo band. Okay. From the creators of Washed Up Emo, isthisbandemo.com offers the definitive answer to the only important question of your day. Hey, is this been emo? This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Washed Up Emo Podcast. I am Tom Mullen. Today we welcome Jeff Rosenstock for episode 78. Biked out to Greenpoint for this one at Jeff's apartment. We had a blast talking about his new album, Worry, out on Side One Dummy Records right now. His fall tour with Hard Girls and Katie Ellen. We also discuss his upbringing on Long Island. The three P's, producing albums, punk ethics, and pizza. I learned a lot from Jeff and was happy to be corrected, challenged, and most of all, laughed a lot. Jeff's a beautiful person and wrote one of my favorite albums of the year. Once again, it's called Worry, and it's out on Side One Dummy right now. Thanks for listening. If you're out for supporting, head to washedupemo.com and check out our Patreon page. Leave a nice review on iTunes or check out the merch on our Threadless page. This is episode 78 of the Washed Up Emo podcast with Jeff Rosenstock. I mean, okay, this is like... this. Will explain a lot to anybody who has listened to my music and doesn't and doesn't like know this. Um, so I guess I grew up and uh, I really liked I just liked pop stuff. I just liked you know uh, Debbie Gibson and Tiffany and shit yeah. like that. Um, but at the same time, I had two babysitters. One uh, kept bringing in like Bobby Brown. I remember Bobby Brown specifically, um, and I just I loved it. I just liked music, so yeah. it was just like fuck this is this is great and so i started i really liked humping around in my prerogative and uh, great, songs. great songs for like a five-year-old to love or whatever yeah. um and then i had another babysitter you, who you're, was you're, really you're into doing metal. what you want to do yeah <laughs> uh, yeah that was me it's my prerogative mom and dad they'd be like oh, god damn it god damn it sean why'd you show her kid bobby brown um and uh and then i had another babysitter who was really into metal so from that, I got into Anthrax. I, was, I really liked Anthrax and Megadeth. Okay. Two, not not Slayer and Metallica, the two of the big four that people are usually telling. The, the but I was a big thrash metal. Anthrax, Megadeth guy. What yeah, Megadeth yeah, era? Yeah, thrash. Uh, like Peace Cells? Well, no. That's that's probably a little too early for me. So this um, was... Apot- or, uh, this I mean, was... so what probably happened was that Anthrax... Uh, Anthrax I got into because I had a State of Euphoria tape. Um, and I just listened to that constantly. And then they started doing stuff with Public Enemy, and I like that saw song. that on MTV. Yeah, that was it. And then I got into Public Enemy from that, and then that like broke my brain beyond belief. Oh uh, yeah. And uh, 
But then I think that uh, Symphony of Destruction was probably a really big Megadeth single at the time. And then I'm singing it for everybody to Rust in Peace, and then Rust in Peace was my record. Great record. Yeah. Is it a great record? I've listened back to it and been like, I think this is so good. It's a little tinny. Oh, yeah, a little too much 4K. So you got into that metal and Bobby Brown. Okay, I think that yeah. explains a lot. Yeah, metal, Bobby Brown, and like pop. So like En Vogue and Paula Abdul and SWV and Baldwin's own Taylor Dane, uh, Tell It To My Heart. Do you know that song? I think so. She's one of the... Tell it to my heart. Oh, yes. Tell, yeah, she's uh, one of the only only super celebrities from Baldwin. Wow. Taylor Dane D. Snyder. So the when did like... You know, was it was it like a a friend of a friend handing you like a punk CD no. or a hardcore thing or how did it kind of turn? Okay, so like I didn't I didn't have friends who liked that stuff really for the most part. Um, I had friends who got me more into metal. Like my brother had a friend named Isaac who uh, was just really into metal, and I got into like Cannibal Corpse from him and Deicide and and I'm like. I'm a kid at this point. I'm in like fifth and sixth grade listening to Cannibal Corpse being like, wow, they were in Ace Ventura at the time. So I was like, this is so cool. That was huge. Um, and uh, somehow through all that, I got into Biohazard. Um, I was heavily into I was, Were you part of Down for Life? Yes. <laughs> I wrote, Down for Life is Biohazard's fan club. Shades of they, fucking gray. They sent a... Uh, uh, do you know what I'm talking about? The Down for Life Club. This is like they sent out I remember like the club. neon orange like zines yeah. to members and stuff like that. And I remember writing them, and it costs like ten dollars a year or something to be. But in. it was I Biohazard. Remember, yeah, I remember writing them, be like, I don't want to do this anymore. And they were like, Is this? <laughs> is it because of the fee? Because we'll waive the fee. And I was just like, It's not because I like Biohazard. Writing back. Yeah, I like Biohazard too. At that point, I was like way in like. I don't know. I wasn't the same age. I didn't need to be a member of the Biohazard fan club at that yeah, point. Yeah, no. I'd already, I already got what I needed to get. Out I mean, of, that, and then that, and that video and that, was on MTV. Had Bangers Ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think with Biohazard, it's just honestly looking back on it, it was just that logo everywhere, and just seeing that everywhere, and just thinking Badass. like, you know, I'm in sixth grade, and this looks fucking tough. Um, probably fuck earlier. I can't like whenever that bio, first Biohazard record came out, the self-titled one. Like, I don't know. Somebody gave it ninety two. Yeah. Uh, whenever that was, uh, probably around then. I'm sure around then. You're probably right. I bet you know. You're a smart guy with music. <laughs> barely, barely. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. So from that, I think Biohazard was playing a show in Long Island, and I like asked my parents if I could go, and they said no. And um, through that, and then and then like through that, I saw like on the flyer that these other bands were playing, and I was like, I like I just wanted to know what this band sounded like. Um, and I and I didn't like drink or anything when I was in like I was just trying to find stuff to do. Um, and my parent and I was like, hey, can I go see some local bands with some friends? They were like, oh, okay. It's like it's an all ages show. It's like a youth thing. It's at this uh, like community center, which uh, was the PWAC in Long Island. Oh, yeah. Which is just a big fucking garage. It's not a community center at all. I was, but they let me go to the show, and I remember cool. just like just running around the pit. I was like 14 years old. Just like, ah, this is the best thing ever. Of course. Um, and uh, yeah. And then I was just, I was kind of like in, man. I was in. 
And that was like the how I got into like knowing that like you could be in a band and play somewhere. I always wanted to play the PWAC. I was sad that it was gone well before, before I would have had could, a chance. Yeah. So was that the bug? I mean, were you like, I got to get a guitar or um, I got to start playing drums or what was like the. Well, no, I think like, I guess the metal stuff. It was weird. I was always I, like. I, I was a metal kid first. You were a metal kid first as well? I was a metal that director at my college station. Oh, yeah? Yes. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I like that was probably what did it. You know, I, I that was it. It, w- it was metal when I was a kid. Um, my dad had an had an acoustic guitar. And I think I, I mean, like my dad had an acoustic guitar and my sister was taking piano lessons. And I guess I would probably just I'd, I'd grab that guitar and play the piano like younger than my sister at the time. Just be like, hey, I just want to play a thing like yeah. this is fun, you know, Um so I think like going from there, uh, and my parents were super encouraging with that. And like, that's fantastic. I got, like, piano lessons. A lot of times that doesn't happen. No, I know. I, I realized because like you know, for all whatever with my parents, like that was really cool. You know, um, but uh, like I know I took lessons and it just I, it didn't make any sense to me. Um, and uh, like I now that like I just like I knew what they were telling me to do. And I was doing it, and I was like, "This is fine, but this isn't how I want. This isn't what I wanted the piano yeah. to sound like. I wanted to play like Guns and Roses shit. Like I don't. This is boring to me. Um, and guitar stuff. It was like I don't know. I want to play. I like. I don't know. They they have you play just melodies. Like they have you play Mary Had a Little Lamb or like something beyond that. Or they have you play like piano pieces transcribed for a guitar. I was like, no. How do you play like Dimebag Daryl? I want to like." I want to. No, I want to know how to fucking shred. I want to do a, like, yeah, yeah. I, um, I taught my cousin how to pig squeal. Yeah, and he was like the star of his high school because no one else knew how. And I like tricked. I told him how to do it, and literally he was like, "Tommy, I made all these friends because I can pig squeal." Those little things help in school. Yeah, <laughs> but for playing and stuff like that, you were. I mean, I was the same way. I wanted to learn the riff. I wanted to learn a song. Yeah, not a scale. And I think. I mean, I don't know if you were, but it was ear. I could hear yeah. the notes. And I wanted, I could hear the E. I could hear the D. And I think that's, of... yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I just like, it, I knew that what I was doing was not, hadn't, didn't have anything to do with like what I was actually trying to yeah. do when I held the guitar. I'm realizing this, having this conversation with you right now. Like at the time, I kind of just, I also, I don't know, maybe I was just a fucking brat. And I was like, I don't want to practice. Yeah. I want to listen to Operation Ivy. Like, I don't I'm know. Try and figure it out. Um, but yeah, so that like that was happening, and then but I was always just kind of writing too, and I was writing songs in my head, uh, like I was just thinking of songs and like singing them to myself, like high school. All the no, this is like elementary school. This is like weird shit. Like I remember being in like in like the bathroom in my second grade classroom, and just like singing a song that I had written, uh, like in my head. And just like sing it in That's the bathroom cool. in the classroom, and everybody like making fun of me when I open the door, like you're singing in the bathroom. Be like, no, um, <laughs> traumatized. But it, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Uh, uh, but yeah, so like, I don't know. I I really liked Bobby Brown and Debbie Gibson. I really, I really liked a lot of strange stuff. And that kind were of... you gonna? Were you going to local shows? Were you seeing more? 
if it you know well, not the biohazards but it yeah. was like yeah yeah that's later the thing. on so yeah so like eventually like whatever whatever and also this whole time i like heard green day and it was like that's it that's all i wanted to do was play that stuff but it's weird because what album i felt uh dookie like or just like watching the woodstock thing specifically oh my god specifically. that was crazy yeah it was just like wow this is this is what I thought this was supposed to be. You yeah. know, I kept hearing that it had this energy, and I remember listening to Dookie and thinking, like, I don't know, it doesn't sound as energetic as like Biohazard or Rage Against the Machine. Like, and then I saw it, and then like everything—that's it. Everything I had thought about, everything like I wanted in music, like the pop, the energy yeah. all of it was just kind of there in that show. Um, but all the punk kids in my high school like hated Green Day, and they all skateboarded, and they all like picked on me for liking Green Day. And then, like, there were the cool kids who liked Green Day, and they, you know, they they were cool. And I yeah. was, and I like wasn't a cool kid. Um, so I just, so yeah, I kind of ended up in like the Long Island hardcore scene and going to shows there because it seemed like the local music shit was like where other people like me who yeah. didn't really feel like they got along with kids in their high school. You know, and you went were meeting, and like met other different towns too, different schools. That was a kind yeah. of I loved about that. Yeah. Where I hung out with cities and towns I never, you would have never met them. Yeah, yeah, totally. It was it was crazy. And then shortly, at, but shortly after that, I realized like, oh, I could be in a band and I could do this. Like, I don't know. I just remember seeing some of those bands like Glassjaw were young. They were fucking young, um, and like they didn't. They weren't my age. They were like five five years older, probably more than me, but that still made them like 18, 19. And then there were kids in my high school who had bands. Like uh, there was a band called The Lightweights, which was like, uh, oh my God, I'm going to like fucking rat people out here. Okay. There is a band called The Lightweights who I loved, who I loved. They were like a ska punk 311 band. Loved them. Um, if I'm not wrong, like the singer of that band is uh, Josh from Small Black. Oh, now. wow. Um, unless that's not a thing anymore. Someone will let us know. From what I know, Josh is in Josh is Small Black. Like that's his thing yeah. that he did after the Lightweights. And, I, it is, and, it, and that's fucking awesome, too. But it's just like it's really fun to think of that. Like where they start. Yeah. But like, you know, if you like music, you'll make music. Um, and uh, so you, you Sean, were like, oh, sorry. And uh, this band, the Posers, uh, that uh, this kid who I knew growing up, uh, Sean, played bass in, um, and they were like the punkest fucking band of all time. Like they would play places, and we were like teenagers. They'd play places and shut them down, and they'd never have shows again. I remember just thinking, like, this is so fucking intense. This is cool. <laughs> they hate authority. I hate authority. Hell yeah. Um, and then uh, Sean ended up being in Taking Back Sunday with that drummer, Mark. And it's just kind of like, I. so there were like good people, like good bands in my high school, I mean, like people there, who liked that kind community. of stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, I grew up like looking up to that stuff. Um, I started my band, which was, of course, horrible, probably at the Everyone's time. Fr- I know there was no probably. It was horrible at the time. Like we were bad. Um so we couldn't like get on any shows unless we booked them and kind of made friends that way. And then eventually we got better. But then eventually, like we knew bands like WCF and Channel Fifty Nine, who were from Babylon. Um, yeah, like this band, We Are Groove Animals from East Meadow. And we were like, at that point, you don't think you could like get outside of Baldwin, which if you're not from yeah. Long Island, uh, the way Long Island set up is it's like 
every town is like two miles big, if that, and they're all like right smack up next to each other. Um, and you kind of like, you do, it's not like you don't leave your town or anything. Um, but I guess that was just, I didn't really know that many people outside of Baldwin. Like, how do you meet people outside of your high school, really? Because everything when you're is in high school. Yeah, you know? you've got your whatever thing you're doing. It's all related to what your town is. It's unless maybe you're doing sports and you're traveling to a school to play. Yeah. But other than that, you're yeah. not. Yeah, and but also like I don't know. I think when you're into when you end up kind of doing what I ended up doing, you just like it's because when you're in your high school, you don't feel like you really have anybody except for like the two people in your band who are in your high school. And you're just like, all right. Well, yeah, I mean, I had six, let's go meet some other people we can hang out with and have fun with. We here. were like the six or seven kids from our high school that would go into the big city to go to the hardcore shows. Yeah, and that was our little crew, for, and all the other towns were the same way. That's cool. But that's that, cool. so, that comes, where do you go to Coney Island High a bunch? I'm guessing. Oh no, this was when I was in Vermont. Oh, okay, okay, okay. yeah. This was like just you know six or seven of us in our little town, with <laughs> three thousand people, you know, going to Burlington. That's awesome. But yeah, definitely. And yeah, it's, and I, like I feel weird because I'm saying this on a podcast like god forbid any of like my friends from high school listen to this like no i'm not talking about you guys my friends you know but (laughs) but no i think that that community part you were as you were figuring out your band you had time to make mistakes and make crappy music and kind of get it out and then keep making better stuff yeah hopefully (laughs) no i think so i think that sort of you because there was a community there was places to play yeah there were a lot of bands yeah and it was, and I mean, it was a ska scene. So like when you're, yeah. So at that point, like as soon as I heard the mighty, mighty boss tones, um, and I was like, wow, there's a hardcore band, but with a saxophone, I play the saxophone. I love this band. This is my favorite band. What is this music? Yeah. And then like, I got really into ska. Um, and, uh, yeah, but I felt like I always growing up that ska bands were, it seemed like the redheaded stepchild. Yeah, but it seemed like a million redheaded stepchilds. It seemed just like no ska band sounded like another ska band. Like every band was doing something weird and fucked up that was part of like our ska scene, or at least the bands that we really liked were like you had the Posers, who were a punk band with horns, who just like destroyed every venue they played in. You had Channel Fifty Nine, who towards the end of it became like an art rock project. Where, like, they would just play a song called All Night Party that just had one chord. It said, all night party goes how long? All night for, like, 30 minutes. Uh, um, fuck. You had light. Like, there was, it was just a lot of different kinds of bands. Of course, you had, like, standard ska punk bands and stuff. But, like, yeah, the fucking Microwave Orphans just sounded like Devo. The Living Brooks just sounded like the Ramones. But we all, like, hung out with each other and yeah. we were friends, you know? Um yeah, so I don't know. I think that that was a that was a big thing uh, outside of like what year was that? Community. This is like the I would say probably like ninety six to two thousand. Perfect, exact high school age. Yeah, that, so I'm four years older then because yeah. I was in college. Okay, right then. Yeah, and there was all these ska bands at my school, and I was in like you know a hardcore band with girl vocals, and we sounded like Texas the Reason and like Jejun. Oh, so you were in a cool band, and everybody else was in a ska band. They were in a ska band, and then there was like a punk, like a like a punk punk, like a more like a rentals. Oh like yeah, punk kind of bands like that was kind of happening. Yeah, but, when, yeah, when everybody gave up on ska and decided to get like a Moog. synthesizer. Yeah, and, everyone and... was like, there was like a run on Moog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the guy making Moog was like, what the fuck? Is going 
Yeah. But that time, that like that was that was big. There were yeah. so many bands. You're right about the Boston's. Like it just yeah. there was there was a big community for it. Did but you? It was like flash in the pan though. Yeah. Well. Yeah, but I guess like how like the amount of time that being in that scene mattered to me it was like two or three years you know yeah i'd say that like when it was I'm, really formative like every fucking weekend in long island there was a show and then there were shows on shit. friday shows and shows on saturday shows on sunday all the time um so it was just like you could play music all the time so like and there was after enough two people. or three years i was like okay like it was it was a real bummer that it wasn't there anymore but like i'd already gotten so much out of it in my yeah. life that i was like just pretty thankful that it existed exactly on it. no i yeah, think squirrel nut zippers but that whole shit where everyone was like i don't even what, what i was love the... that shit swing dancing swing the swing dancing. revival yeah there was like all these like school... big bad voodoo daddy oh, i just got like i think i threw up I'm hold, oh hold on uh can i look up something on my computer of that i think can. will be worth it yes um, of course you can oh fuck okay hold on it'll be real short uh <laughs> i want to tell you this lineup for the super bowl uh the hardcore Super Bowl? No, the Super Bowl halftime lineup in uh, 1997 or the something. The Super Bowl one with Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. Uh, yeah, Gloria Stefan, Stevie Wonder, and Big Bad Voodoo Daddy were the Super Bowl halftime show. It was that big, big. Bag, big Bad Voodoo Daddy opening and kicking everything off. What and then worlds did we Gloria live in? Stefan and Stevie Wonder, who probably like <laughs> Stevie's like on his like piano, like what the fuck is that? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's really funny. But I think you know, I pretending I, he can't see his piano. I know exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Rumors. Do you know about that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's a thing, everybody. Look it up. <laughs> so from that, what like that was like two or three years. What did you were you and then you went to school or you yeah. were done college and then you you went to NYU. Yeah, I went to NYU. Yeah. Um, and when I was in school, uh. This is like weird, um, but yeah, I had a like I kept doing my band, and then I would and we moved to New York at the same time. I love that. Yeah, yeah, we moved to New York at the same time, so uh, <laughs> and around the same location. So we both remember when Dojo used to be better. Oh my god, what <laughs> happened? Uh, I don't. They took shit off the menu. It's weird. I, I go there now, and I'm like, this is expensive. And... You know, Pizza Mercado. Yeah. So yeah. I went to Pizza Mercado because I had no money. I used to go to the Bowery and get like. Uh, rice and beans when there was actually stuff that was sketchy on Bowery. Cool. And then I would go to Pizza Mercado and I remember going back there like a year ago. The same fucking guy is like the pizza guy. And I remember I was like, I don't know if you, how long have you been here? And he was like, 20 years. And I was like, this is crazy. <laughs> he said 20 years to you as if like, w- what? Why would you ask me that question? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I love that if, something if, if you the like, same and then Dojo gets fucked, but Pizza Mercado were good. I mean, it kind of makes you feel like maybe Dojo was always bullshit. Maybe they had a good cook there for a little bit. They had a good head chef for what that period of What was the sauce time. they always gave you? I what don't know. What was that little, like, it was something. That... The sauce that they put, like, on the yakisoba things, this is. Yeah. We're getting so deep right now. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> it was good. They had a good sauce. Um, <laughs> fuck. Uh, so anyway, we were there. <laughs> we were there in 2000. Also, if you're trying to eat cheap in New York, fucking Punjabi on Houston by the Mercury Lounge across yes. the street from the Mercury Lounge. It's where like my the friend about it. It's where all the cab drivers eat, and they go in there. It's all vegan. It's super cheap. It's super good. Um, you're learning stuff, guys. Yeah. You're learning things right now from Jeff Rosenstock. Um, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, so you're at NYU. Yeah, I'm at NYU. I'm, you know, listening to tunes, writing to writing a lot of music like, by yourself or with people. Um, by myself. I always was writing by myself. That's how it always was. Uh, I I'm in bands now where I write with other people, and uh, I really like it. And I I think that's what happens when I end up producing records. Is I kind of just throw my two cents in, like as if I was the keyboard player, yeah. being like, "Hey, maybe let's play this chord here." Um, and I really like that, but I, I, I kind of grew up just writing shit. I think. Uh, Were you I, playing then? Yeah. Okay. So ASOB was playing when I was in high school. That same band continued freshman year of college, um, and uh, I and we like wanted to go on tour, and I'd book. We had booked a few shows. It was going to be a really short tour, and uh, we like broke up right before the tour, and half the band went to the first show, and then we went home. Um, and then that was it. And we broke up and I was like, bummer. And then, uh, and this is such a fucking like dumb cliche, weird ass thing. But, uh, then it was September, 2001 and the thing happened. Um, and that was uh, fun. Yeah. That was a real, that was, that was a great, that was great. great yeah. Day. Which is like, yeah, I don't know. I remember just putting up away messages. It's like, Hey, it's crazy out here, but I'm alive. Don't worry about me. If you create my away message. Uh, but, uh, I remember that happened and, uh, I got in, I like that just made me kind of start writing more again and like a lot. And I was writing a lot. Um, and, uh, I, I was just like, I, I don't know when that happened. I like went to Long Island because, you know, left you, the city, well, parents yeah. live in Long Island. Yeah. I went to Connecticut um, to my aunt and uncles. Like you just got the yeah. fuck out. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I was in the, in the zone. I think, I think I was in the zone you can be in. Uh, it's so weird that my memory on that is no, fuzzy at this point. We, Cause I was no, below 14th street. On, but we like, could, we could go, it was open. Be, I don't, I didn't have to show my ID. Yeah. I don't remember anything. showing my ID, but I remember hearing I was supposed to show my ID, but I never saw it. But that never that. happened. But yeah. I think. Maybe it was the week after, but then I went back the second week. This and took it was such fine. a fucking turn. It got deep. <laughs> well, I mean, there's like, this guy flipping pizzas. September 11th is happening. Look, what the fuck? But I'm saying we were literally, we probably walked right. by each other. Yeah, probably. We probably all ran away from the thing. Like, oh, fuck. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so that happened. And uh, I, I went to Long Island and I, I saw my friends in that band and, I was just thinking, and I was just like, God, this is stupid. Why do we not have a band? And yeah. uh, right around that time, we got offered a show to open up for World Inferno Friendship Society, who, like, was – I I loved that band. Uh, like, they were so good. They are so good. Um, and I was like, oh, come on. We should be a band and play this show. And so let's get back together and play the show. And then that was kind of like – that happened for a while throughout college, and I was just like – doing weekend tours all the time when I was in school, you know, just kind of doing two things at once. Mm -hmm. And then when did bomb the music industry start? Um, after ASB broke up, I'm, it stopped me when I'm rambling, by the way, I have a feeling I'm rambling. I know it's a podcast. podcast. So like, that's the whole bit, but (laughs) you're fine. So I was going to look at, it's going to say like three hours and 40 minutes long, but (laughs) fuck. Um, uh, yeah, Bond the Music Industry. So that started, so yeah, ASOB, like, we, you know, we were a band for a long time. We were my band from high school, mm-hmm. uh, all throughout college, and then, like, for another year or so, and then it just kind of, it was, I think it was just a lot of work for not, like, it just wasn't working. It wasn't working for us. We'd play shows, and they'd go really, really good, but, like, 
I know we were trying to find somebody to put out our record. I feel like at that point, um, I didn't really know how else to do it aside from getting somebody else to put out your record. It's um, hard. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's hard, but also like I wasn't part of like the DIY world. It was just like, like I really, I mean, and it's weird because like I was like Fagazi number one fucking fan of the world, you know, and I thought that shit was sick, but I just kind of thought that, that stuff was really out of reach for me. Um, I thought that was something that was only really reserved to like scene stir type mm-hmm. people or whatever. And just people who were never in, in the know. truly all that nice to me. Um, so it never dawned on me that like I could do shit like that. Um, so we were just doing our own thing and trying to follow like whatever the mm-hmm. whoever like catch 22 and Big D and the kids table and like ska bands from the northeast kind of followed and do the things they were doing as far as like getting music done and we ended up working on having a record for four years that we never recorded and eventually recorded and took forever to put out and i and we were just like selling merch and we were i was talking about recording a record and other people were talking about like oh no we have to have shirts it's more important that we have shirts and like a record we got to spend this money on shirts and and i was just like i'm fucking i don't want to do this anymore i don't want to sell shirts i want to make music that's yeah it. um and i probably said it in a more uh 21 22 year old way uh which happens and, you know um because i was 21 or 22 years old and then we were like in we were on our way to stockton california like one of those fucking that's a bleak place i love you stockton shout out to pavement <laughs> Hello, mid a good win, you rule. <laughs> but like, you know, Stockton could get fucking dark. So like, we just broke up in her van and showed up to her friend who said, "We was like, hey guys, it's gonna be killer." We're like, we just broke up. And oh like, my god. Uh, and then I came home and we were still. And the thing that was weird about oh god, ASB was so weird. So we came home and I started and I just like recorded a song and put it up on the internet. Um. I think. How did it all go? No, that happened. And then, like, we kept playing shows for a while. While Bond the Music Industry was banned. Um, Because, so, yeah. So, like, I put a song up on the internet. uh, And it was just, like, whatever. Then people were okay. People liked it. And, like, I was like, oh, people And it was just you. Like, I just record this, like, in my parents' house, like, on my own. Yeah really like i'm talking that the bass in there is an acoustic guitar through the laptop mic and then i like pitch shifted it down an octave <laughs> like it's not it was yeah. in no way i don't really know where the drum loop came from like i it was it's so crazy minimal and weird um but uh yeah i don't know people were like hey this is good and i was like oh wow so i'm worth anything and i kind of uh i was like okay and around that time I'd been drinking a lot and I knew I wanted to uh, sober up at least for a little bit to like show myself that I could do it, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, And uh, yeah, so I was like, okay, this will be a good little project to do during this and I'll try and write and record a record. And around the time, um, John, uh, who plays bass in my band now and played bass upon the music industry and played guitar in ASOB for a little bit. he was like also back living in Long Island doing nothing. Our friend Laura Stevenson mm-hmm. was living at her parents' house also. So like all the three of us are like 22, 23 living at our parents' house is just like, fuck. Um, and uh, then, you know, I was like, hey, I'm, I'm working on these songs. You guys like I might play a show someday. You guys want to be in this band? And they're like, 
yeah, sure. It was like, okay, cool. And then that was kind of how it started, you know? What, it no, was what, never really supposed to be a band or anything. What what year was that? What was the first two thousand? That was in 2000, early 2005. 2005. And Sweet Home Cannonata, the song that was... That was 05. That, that was December. That was Christmas Eve 04. Wow. So that was that was when that started. Cool. Yeah. And then so from that, like what, for people that don't know, um, or people that do, I mean, um, was it pretty, I mean, it must have been kind of cool to be like, all right, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to, you know, no one else. Yes, you've got a couple of <laughs> friends, but you kind of saw that there was a reaction to your stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. But I saw that with, I saw that with ASOB and it wasn't like, I wasn't trying to do anything. Like I was just like, hey, I'm putting... Yeah, I guess it's not true to say, like, I didn't see a reaction. Like, that might be bullshit. But, like, I, I was just like, okay, I want to put this thing up. Okay, I'm writing another thing. I want to put another thing up. This is great. Like, it seems like it's a thing. And we played a few shows, and some of them were good. Some of them were bad. That's how shows are. That's how tours are. Um, and I, But, like, all the while, like, a lot of my music friends were just kind of telling me that it was a stupid idea to put out your music for free and that, like not taking anything seriously and like what and like it's kind of shitty makes every like it was just like real negative backlash from a lot of people mm-hmm. um so of course me being me i focused on that and <laughs> probably didn't enjoy like the fact that like we were doing something that was that was different than what a lot of other people were doing, we're doing at, at the, the time. time i mean oh five um, that was that was some dicey times yeah independence oh scene. yeah i mean but that was like the whole fucking point it was just like like that was like prime time for like I was shutting a, down the, the illegal file downloading site every six months and having to hop from like Kazaa to Audio Galaxy to LimeWire to like. I mean, whatever. it was like plugging you know a hole of water and you plug one and another one pops out. Mm-hmm. Like it just you could not do a fucking thing. Well, like you you don't plug one, you like you know yeah, you, you beat one and like slap a lawsuit on it and yeah. then like <laughs> uh, you know. Um, I just remember thinking that was so. That was so stupid. I felt betrayed by music. You know what I mean? I felt betrayed by this thing that was so fucking important to me. Um, so, so that your turned idea out of... to be about fucking commerce. And I was just like, this is bullshit. You know so what I mean? So your thing was to give out music free of yeah. stuff that you were doing. Yeah. More so just I think my thing was and to and like I know I fucking sell shirts and shit now and I'm selling trash all the fucking time. But like. Uh, like my thing always is that I want to keep, I just wanted the music to be separate from the finances. I wanted the music to be separate from the business, separate from the commerce. I don't like, it makes, commerce makes me feel fucking uncomfortable. That's kind of one of the really appealing things to me about punk. Um, and, uh, the, like, I don't know. I, I get bummed out that that's like not even nobody bats an eye anymore. You know what I mean? Well, that, like, I, mean, I feel like I'm alone that, and feeling uncomfortable about it. Well, especially like, at that time, oh, five. I mean, these bands were getting swooped up from the independent scene. They were getting signed. They were doing yeah. tour buses. Yeah. They're vagrant across America, whatever that year was. Or maybe that was earlier. But regardless, there was, stu- you know, these punk bands were in these buses and hats yeah. off. Yeah, you were successful. You hit the nail on the head. For sure. You and nailed it. To be it. honest, if that happened with my band, yeah, I probably would not. I'd probably be fucking stoked and not be doing what I'm doing. But now, it just you know? it got derivative so quick. Yeah, and I think you know you taking that side of we're gonna keep that sort of ethos 
and you know that's what kind of when I was looking you know finding out about you and to people telling me that was something cool that I liked that you kind of were standing for something and yeah people disagreed but that's okay yeah yeah for sure um and I don't know I think that a a big thing I was also not I was trying to do but just like I don't know I didn't uh, I was surprised anybody even really noticed that I was doing anything because I'm like not a cool guy I'm not a cool guy now I wasn't a cool guy then um and uh it always and like I was saying before all that stuff always seemed really out of reach and and like super cool to me and had a lot of rules and I was kind of more just like well fuck everything don't yeah. do it and I think when people would like ask me questions about it like I if I was like drunk I'd be like yo fuck those fucking they're fucking stupid whatever but like if I was just like answering honestly I'd be like yeah you know I don't care if other bands sell merch and sell CDs like I don't care. We're just doing things a different way. Yeah. And, you know, I think, um, uh, like understanding is not a very, uh, exciting trait to have in like a rock and roller. So I was surprised anybody even like gave a fucking shit that I was doing anything ever or that anybody ever noticed it to be perfectly honest. Wow. The fact that we're in like my apartment talking about this for a podcast right now, I was like, <laughs> it's silly to me. I was in like, I was in a nice recording studio today. I was in a recording studio today with John and Yellow, who did, uh, I don't know, Hold Steady, Boys and Girls in America, all the later Sonic Youth stuff, all the Dinosaur Jr. stuff, always Symbols Eat Guitars, Never heard of any record. Of um, <laughs> we got a master back for the Smith Street Band record. Um, from Greg Calby, who mastered, I don't know, Born to Run, Blood on the Tracks, Blondie Blondie, I'm not, I'm Talking not sure Heads. Any, I'm not sure what those are. And I was just sitting in there, just thinking, like, <laughs> okay, for and like I'm, and I'm the producer, which is like that's great. <laughs> that's it's it's just like I'm such a fucking scrub, and uh, I'm just sitting there, just like God damn it, I'm, I would never be able to afford to record in this place. It's so nice. And everything I'm working on sounds so good. I could never afford to get in here. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how so I do you, about that. Do you, like, no, yeah. do, you, do you like the both sides? I mean, I, obviously you said you do, but I, I guess more of a question of your, you know, you, so, you have the solo records, uh, well, obviously with bands and stuff, and you're sort of having this ethos. Where did that, you know, come from? Where is it? You, we we kind of talked about Fugazi earlier. Where did that come from? Meaning like that ethos that like, I don't know. I, I think like, I think a combination of like, yeah, like reading everything about Fugazi and minor threat and bikini kill and like all that shit when I was a kid. Um, and just thinking that that was cool and think that Dillinger four was a really big band that, um, they don't really get credited for it, but they were like, they always did cool shit. They like doing their own thing. They did their own thing. Something was really inspiring about that band to me that, people don't talk about a lot is that they had jobs. Like they kept their jobs. They were like, okay, yeah, we want to be a band, but we don't want to do the whole fucking thing. It seems really stressful. Um, so we're going to also have jobs at home. We're going to try and have jobs that we like, and then we'll do the band sometimes. And yeah. We'll keep the band going. And I, I remember just thinking like, wow. So yeah, that's cool. Like the whole thing with ASOB is why it's so stressful is that like none of us could figure out how to have jobs and be in that band at the same time. And it was like, Wait, but this band does it. They just like don't focus as much on that on the band, and it's fine. They still make great records. Uh, and they tour when they can. And they tour and they tour and they can, and they still love it. Like that doesn't mean they love it any less, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, yeah, and like Against Me, like just a lot of bands were really, I feel like I just always, whenever I heard about that stuff, I wanted to know more about that band. I wanted to read more about that band. And um, What did you connect with when this sort of, you know, emo revival, and I wouldn't put you guys in that shoe, but you're in these same circles, Oh, what, because we're like buds with modern baseball and stuff? Yeah, or just like you're in this you, – when you're in a community, I mean, even <laughs> – like I talk about this with – I talked about this earlier today on a podcast where it's like a friend – you know, you're 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 a hardcore band, but you're playing with an emo band and a punk band. And yeah. because you're all buds and you like each other's music and that's okay. Yeah. I mean, that's what it was like when I was growing up, you know? So I'm saying that's – I was when in a I ska s- band playing with like what I was saying. Our it's ska totally scene was fine. totally weird, yeah. But I'm saying now those – that – what really tipped me off in 09, and I've mentioned this before, is like I just got excited because I'm like, that's what it was. It wasn't this package tour. Everything is, yeah, you know, or yeah. whatever the sound is. It yeah. just was. This was you guys formed a community, like you said earlier, if it was Laura Stevenson and your friends, and you sort of started hanging out and playing shows together. Yeah, did I you think kind we were of just feel all bands that didn't sound like each other and like, yeah. and didn't give a shit that we didn't sound like each other. But then like, a fan out there is gonna love that because they're gonna get turned on to something else (laughs) that's cool but that's i like that's honestly something that i never think about i feel like if you so when i personally think about like what anybody is going to like i'm not gonna make something honest i'm not gonna make something that is something that i want to put out there so i just don't really think about that stuff yeah is that cliche or dumb? No, sound? no. I, I just think it's more of. I was trying to say, <laughs> not like, that you're giving me that vibe. <laughs> yeah, no. I think of you know you your relationship. You you know have a band with Chris Farron. <laughs> you know, there's all these sort of things that are great pieces of a community, and yeah. you're helping each other. Yeah, and that's I mean that's what you do, and I think you guys are right there with bands that would have been you would have been fit right there with the '90s. Thanks. The '90s were a great time. Back Sonic Youth, both on the radio. What the fuck? This yeah, thing. I mean, it was and it was different thing, different music. Yeah, for sure. I and I, it seems like uh, like that's kind of happening a little bit more with bigger bands. I hope. I don't know. Modern baseball fucking kicks ass. They they're like modern baseball and AJJ, who both took us AJJ out are on fantastic tour, uh, last year. I didn't know about them until six months ago or whatever. Oh really? Yeah. Oh man, they have a they're they don't have bad records. Like since uh their first record that was on Asian May records, like all their records are good. That's what's so, so have rad. Fun. Like yeah. good dig in. It's all really, really, really good. They're, they're the best. Yeah. I mean, again, I get made fun of, you know, I listen to, you know, six years of music, but <laughs> it's no, there's so much great stuff happening. Yeah. And music and com- in this community and just kind of feeling your ethos of sort of this DIY mentality. It seemed to, you were connecting with a lot of different people in the same mantra, correct? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I don't know. Maybe we all just wanted to have buddies, you know? Maybe we just wanted friends. Maybe we all wanted that community and didn't feel like we had it wherever we yeah. were. Um, that, that's probably it. I, But again, I've never really thought about it. I just kind of thought like, boy, it's really nice that once Andrew Jackson Jihad got big, uh, they keep taking us on tour. Yeah. And letting us like kind of reap the rewards of like the success that they've had and because they modern hope baseball does it with bands they like and i just kind because of, like, they hope, hope that you I could do t- that for someone them. else you know exactly it's you that know? sort and, of passing the torch thing yeah. that and we take- all try and like all of us have tried to do it like i know laura and cheap girls like sidekicks we all just take bands we like out on tour because 
I've always I feel like if if you could take a band out on tour, like that's that's cool. That's awesome. You're lucky to be able to take a band out on tour. Yeah. So like, don't spoil it by doing whatever like your booking agent. Your booking. Wants you. Yeah. Sorry, Greg. Greg rocks. Greg doesn't tell me to do shit. Uh, <laughs> honestly, it's true. But uh, yeah, just by doing what your booking agent wants to tell you, think about oh, it'd be a great package if like you line up. It's like fuck that. No. I yeah. went to our hard girls at Katie Ellen. They're my <laughs> friends, and they're they're really good bands. Um, I want to talk about the new record. Cool. So I've listened to the whole thing, and I really dig it. I think it's a. It's, <laughs> You're like I really hate it. No, I <laughs> I wouldn't be over here if I hated it. You came it. here to just like. <laughs> so anyway, Jeff, <laughs> we got to talk. It's, it's like it's like uh, uh, what's the what's the shitty show that was on in the '90s? Like not. It was Tom like, Green show? No, like first edition that was or what was, oh like oh. the like the like the Fox News well, like Inside 90s. Edition Inside Edition hard yeah. copy yeah, hard copy uh, hard the copy Fox Five Ten up. o'clock news shame 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 one of those <laughs> that show was crazy yeah. Rosanna Scotto has yeah a Rosanna good day Scotto. New York now I know she's moving on up I don't know Tom Rowland compensated spokesperson <laughs> sorry this is more New York stuff <laughs> you know what I'm talking remember about. when Howard Stern was on OR at ten yes. That was fucking crazy as a kid with pixelated boobs. Yeah. I know. It's weird. It's we really went New York on this. We, we're <laughs> going to put a disclaimer that says, hey, if, hey, you're, if you don't like fucking pizza, fucking bagels. If, if you haven't been on 4th Street in New York, you're not going to get 20% of this podcast. If there if there's not a deli within like five feet of your front door. You're not going to get this. Y- yeah. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Sorry. But the. Sorry, uh, all our fans in Alaska. If Hawaii. there are any hello, please Hawaii, let us hello. come there. Hawaii, book us. Uh, but the uh, the new record, I really dig. It's 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 deep. There's a lot of different sounds, and I think it's you know I loved how poppy it was. Thanks. And I just you know what were some of the things that were going through your head when you were going through this one versus the other one? And you got a little label that's uh, got some muscle oh yeah oh they were on the last one too but it was weird making a record knowing that it was going to be on side one dummy like in advance like we cool we just made on our own yeah and i and so i was just like i don't know well i don't know i just kind of did what i thought i would think was cool if someone else did it which was like we recorded with the same guy we did the last one with um we did it all live to tape again uh or we did basic tracks live to tape again and instead of doing it at Jack's studio, like I found this place, Panoramic House, and an ad in Tape Op that is a studio. I love Tape like, Op magazine. That's on the on a hill overlooking the ocean. Wow. Uh, and I was like, okay, so we'll just like we'll do exactly what we did last time, and then like, <laughs> but I need the, an like, ocean. The extra like whatever two thousand dollars in the advance, like we'll put it towards being by the ocean, and that was kind of. And I was like, okay, that's cool. And then I just wanted to, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ever going to make a record again that will ever have anybody anticipating it in any way whatsoever. I mean, um, and I, I kind of look at every record like that. So it's it just sounds like, great. Thanks. Thanks. I don't know. I just want to do something punk. I want to do something punk as fuck. I want to just like. We'll talk. I you mean, know, can, can just, you talk about some of the songs that you dig? I mean, sure. Okay. There's track one. Wait till you hear that one. Then. No, our <laughs> festival song, sure, which yeah. is out there, people know. Yeah, what's the, everyone knows it. Is there any kind of uh, story yeah. behind that? Well, one? There's all kinds of stories. Yeah, um, festival song. Well, I guess like that's about a specific show that I went to, uh, which I got, which okay. Instead of making whoever I went to see look bad, like I got into that show for free because I asked 
are licensing to to get me into the show for free. And then I saw how corporately sponsored it was and just kept like Instagramming about it. Just be like, fuck this. And then like he got in trouble. And they were like, what the hell? Why did we give this guy free tickets to this festival? <laughs> um, but it was just like, I don't know. There is a band playing that I like that's very political. Um, and like while it was happening, there were just ads all around uh, people like in Century 21 ads wearing like, like this weird, like kind of like like clothes de- you wouldn't like wear, death rock crust punk like thing, but like a she- like a like a cool version of it, you know, um, with like a lot of like smeared like yeah, yeah. like meticulously smeared makeup on, um, and like drones flying overhead, like shooting all the video to like you know put on whatever the website was, and like uh, a bunch of like hashtag promotion shit for like. Morningstar, like Caleb's Cola or whatever the fuck, which like, you know, yeah. shout out to Morningstar and Caleb Cola, but leave me alone. <laughs> um, and uh, like and I and like the sun was setting and it was beautiful. And I just saw like all these like bank buildings and high rises. And I was just like, I don't know. That just, and I just kind of wrote that song there. I was just thinking about that. Just thinking like, you know, I don't know. You can't like it's it just uh it it uh, hit me really hard how um how much a lot of the things that i feel like i like and like i'm enjoying are just things that have been marketed to me and have been put there for me so i could like buy more products um and i think it's important to think about that and like when you're in a band you're always playing in front of beer signs and at bars like selling shit and it's just like you know, don't forget, don't forget who they're fucking looking out for. It's not you. They're looking no. out for them so they, they can want make to sell money. more beer. Yeah. So how how does that affect you? Because sometimes I get I get super mad. You know, I there's things that I do. I have I work at a, you know some place that you know is requirement of money. Yeah. You know, and you have to do those things. Yeah. And what's that balance between paying your rent and kind of you know not being as punk as you can, but at least I guess doing the right thing. I don't know. I mean, you just got to do what feels right for you. You got to pay your rent. I pay my rent. I, you know, I, right, right now I'm like paying my rent on music shit, which is insane. That's awesome. Like, Congrats. I, thank you. Thanks. Yeah. It rules. Thank you. Anybody who's listening, who likes my music and who made that like a thing. That's kind of in New York as well. As, that's a dream. That's yeah. fantastic. Um, that's a high five. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, um, uh, like, I don't know. I've had, I've had shitty jobs and I've had weird jobs and, I've definitely like worked stuff like I worked for a really long time driving a truck around for um like a company that did props for uh fashion magazine shoots. Um and I really liked driving a truck around Manhattan and everybody I worked with was really cool. Um but I just I like I I, I don't like the fashion industry. Uh like I just it, it like I don't like the body image issues it yeah. perpetuates. I, there's a lot of things I don't like about it. Not saying if you work in fashion, you're bad or anything like that. But like, I felt like the stuff I was contributing to was didn't feel right. It wasn't stuff that I was like super that that I that I could really agree with. And I was just like, well, what's the fucking point of like uh, doing any of this punk stuff if this is just like if I'm just gonna do this, yeah, uh, like and kind of cancel it out. Um, so I so I was like, okay, on my thirtieth birthday, I was just like, okay, I just don't, I'm just gonna not do that job, and I'll do whatever I could do to just not have that job. 
Um, so you try to make so I got another job, you know, like it just like, you know, I think it's I think that uh, you're making decisions for yourself because you feel this way. And I want to not. Yeah, I try to make decisions, but also sometimes I got to pay my fucking rent and I got to work for something that sucks. I've been pretty lucky to not have to do that all that much. And like, so you always find somewhat decent jobs, but like I'm always thinking about it. I mean, I got to be concerned and terrified about something. Right. Or else then I'd just be. Does it feel a normal weird? person? Does it feel weird? They to kick me out of New York. <laughs> Does it feel weird to promote the record? Yeah, it feels weird to promote the record. Uh, but like, uh, I don't. But again, I just tried not to. I think that, and I talked to Jamie, who is the marketing and publishing publishing publicist at Sideone Dummy, um, who's awesome, and she knows that. And like, you guys are like, finding ways to do it that are comfortable for you. Sure. Well, I mean, I'm just like being honest about stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not. If I'm posting shit on like Instagram or whatever, I'm not like, like if I'm posting pre-order links, I'm acknowledging that I'm posting pre-order links. I'm just trying to be funny. I'm just trying to do it in the way that I think is okay. And it's actually kind of freeing in a way. Like it's like, it's weird to do it, but then also it's like, Hey, well, you, somebody's asking me to like, finally be proud of a thing that I've made. And, and like, you're being it's yourself. okay to be like, confident about something i'm not a very confident person but you're um, being yourself yeah, and i yeah. think that shows i hope so i don't know but someone's <laughs> going to connect to that they know it's not somebody that's the marketing person that's you know updating stuff for you they know it's you and you're doing those things in in your way and the label yeah. has a relationship with you i think those sure. things come through and what what for you what would be the what would be like euphoria for you what would be yes you're paying your rent <laughs> so i actually that should be it but is it being able to keep making music or is it you want to do something with someone else or what's sort of the, the, you, the, the perfect situation for me. I joke about this all the time. They're like the perfect situation for me when I'm stressed out about everything is just like, I'm fine. And I just make music in this room by myself alone forever. And no one ever talks to me. And like, <laughs> I can like drive around in a car and play shows and people will come and I'll somehow be able to pay rent. Um, I think that that's like, a little insane i say that all the time though uh no but i think just like I don't think being, being able to keep like something like a more uh realistic version of that would be the dream for me i really like making records with other people um i feel re- i feel like i kind of do have the dream as far as the producer shit goes like, yeah why don't you talk i've about got that to make like good records with my friends yeah i don't know i mean it's just like i, I it's something i always wanted to do and uh, did you did you just do it? On, did you learn it by yourself? Did you I did. I, I went to school for it, but I wasn't good at it. So I just kind of didn't. I switched out of the thing that I was doing and started doing something else. Um, I just started recording about the music industry stuff on my own. And then people started asking me to record stuff for them. And I would. And uh, one or two people asked me to produce things. And I feel like I did an OK job on one and a not a great job on the other one. And then years passed. And then. It happened again, and Smith Street asked me, and Mike Park asked me to do some Bruce Lee band stuff, and then I would kind of just got in. And then when the Smith Street band record sounded good, and my friends like finally heard a record that I helped make but didn't mix, they were like, oh, okay, yeah, this cool. doesn't sound insane. This actually sounds kind of good. So what stuff are you um, for, you know, your music you're making in a certain way? How is, what's the producing different for you in your mind or in the um, way that you do things i mean I, well first of all it's that you know 
at the end of the day, it's it's about the the other people. It's not about me. But I, I meant like, what you're doing inside. <clears throat> no, well, I mean like I'm not. I know that like the choice I'm making is for them. If some is it is always for them. But like if it's something that like I feel really 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 fucking strongly about, and no one else is into it. Like I know I'm only gonna get one or two of those per record that I could be like, trust me, just fucking do it. Um, whereas when making my own music, I feel like it's it's a hundred percent every everything is like, here's the thing I don't think is gonna work, so let's do this like three times and then uh, move on to the next thing. Like I think that's a big one is that I I think I have to like pick the weirdness a lot more. Um, and then also uh, I it's like. I don't know. There's a lot of things that are different about it. It's not my songs. Like I'm not there from the start. Um, so I just have to try and do whatever I think would be good to make the songs like kick ass. And um, so are, I work you, mostly with like friends and shit. So I'm just like, do I you think have, they're good. And do I'm, you have more confidence when you do that producing versus your own? Cause your no, own, well, your own, you're sort of like critiquing yourself constantly. I'm getting better. Uh, I think that I I think that I've had a good relationship with the bands that I've worked with, not only because we're friends, but because I understand that anxiety of recording, like pretty fucking deep. Like if you like singers and bands, uh, we don't like it. It's weird. Uh, like our voice sounds weird. Like when you hear your voice, it sounds fucking weird. And when you're singing, you're never singing it. Like I never sound like Jeff Mangum. No matter how much I try, I'm not going to sound like fucking Paul Westerberg. Like, it's not going to happen. That's just not my yeah. voice. And it's this thing about you that you can't change at all. Like, and it's so it's like, it's half of it is like, okay, well, I can't change it. And half of it is like, this is the like true core of me is my voice. And it fucking sucks. And I hate it. Um, and I understand that feeling. And I understand that. So I feel like when I'm in there and trying to like just help somebody like do a good job, I kind of know how to approach it in a different way. And I think it's like that with all the other stuff too. Like I know, like I'm not going to suggest something because I haven't thought about it 8,000 million fucking times. Yeah. Like I'm going to suggest something and have like, and it's going to come know, from like the three gut. sources to back it up. Yeah. Like, okay, here you go. You know, I just love that being able to look at it from a certain view. That's you're right. They haven't been sitting there writing the song and you can look at it objectively. Sure. But at a point it, it, it stops becoming objective because like you're, you're so in it. In. And like, I like, I get crazy in, I kind of want, I like, I know what you're saying, and that's probably what I should be doing. Um, but, but you what get I in. tend to do is like I will like I listen to Smithery Band demos um, constantly for the last month before I started this record because I want to feel like I was there while it was yeah. happening. And like I was saying before, just be like the guy who pipes up is like, "Hey, what if we try to yeah. playing this part uh, double time instead of half time or something like that?" You know what I mean? That's cool. <laughs> I mean, I think for you, it's like you're. Um, it's like two different parts of your brain almost. Yeah. Yeah. And be being, (laughs) but being back and forth, being you're in here by yourself. Yeah. Critiquing yourself, probably making, you know, making yourself crazy. And then there, you know, you kind of have to be the, you got to be in charge a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, when I'm here making music by myself, I'm not really critiquing myself. Oh, that's good. I think that's why. Well, cause I don't, it's still like. It's changing a little bit now, but like, I didn't mean it never, to put that it in never, your... it never dawns on me that like yeah. anybody's gonna fucking hear it. Like, I'm just writing something because I want to hear. I want to see if 
I can make the thing that I'm hearing in my head. I didn't mean to put that in your mind. I didn't mean to put that no, out no, there. I'm not. But more of that. Look, you're I'm, like, I'm, I'm going to sue, but it's fine. But you, that, that constant feeling of like, oh, that's not good. I got to do something else. You know, or like yeah. you, you keep being like, oh, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. Yeah, I don't, I kind of, I don't really go down that. It's, it's weird. I'm weird. I think maybe this is why I uh, get jobs doing that is because like I hear it. I know. I know like if I'm hearing something that's not working, I know it's not working. If that's I'm great. Hearing a thing like that, like I know, you know, at least – to try and kind of match the thing that I think would sound good. Like I kind of hear it in my head before I hear it like laid out mostly. Um, so a lot of the times it's just like, okay, put these things on and it'll sound good. And then like, be like, Oh, that thing sounds bad. I was wrong. Don't do that thing. It's yeah. fine. Move on. You know? Um, so here I just kind of get through all that so quickly Yeah. that, uh, it's kind of this is a safe place. Yeah, but I, but like I but I think feel like I have so I have so much confidence here that a lot of the times when I go to the studio with other bands and I'm just I just have to remember like hey you've done this like a million yeah. times like you know what you're doing just fucking like <laughs> say the thing you're thinking and and the more that I do that like the better I do at it I just have to like kind of start yeah. trusting myself you know that's cool so what what do you want to do next you've got the record coming out called Worry yes and uh, you've got it's a tour. Right You've got the tour. Got you've, the tour. You've got, I mean, other fun things that you want to do that you haven't done? Um, It's where, like, yeah, sh- yeah. I want to go everywhere I've never been before, you know? I want to, like, that's... Japan and... I, I've been I've, oh, I've been to Japan and oh, Korea, cool. yeah, playing bass in the Bruce Lee Band and in Skank and Pickle. So, yeah, shout out to Ska, hell yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, like, I've... I've been to a lot of places. South America would be really nice. Africa would be really cool. Just places in Europe I haven't been to. It'd be cool. cool to go to other places. I bet that's not going to happen. Uh, you never but, know. You know. You never know. Um, what do you I want to work with. I want to do Antarctica Vespucci record again. Really bad. I miss doing stuff with Chris. Like we both have had uh, solo stuff uh, that started immediately after we started this band together. And I, if he's not lying to me, he's also excited about like, you know, it, like at some point next year, just like working together on something again. Cause cool. we're like working together and I want to make another record with Dan Andriano too. Uh, I just like everyone who I made records with, I want to make a record with again and just kind of do that stuff. Cool. Um, I think it, I, I don't know. I like those people. And then tell really people, fun. what would you tell someone about worry in, you know, what would you tell them in an elevator? In an elevator, like be like, "Hey, I'm Jeff Rosenstock. Like, I got a record called Worry." Or you say, "Hey, I'm Jeff Rosenstock. Like, I got a record called Worry." <laughs> I mean, I usually just tell people it's loud and annoying, and there's a lot of instruments. Like it's like I tell people it's like the Clash of if they had like a lot of orchestral instruments occasionally, and then also like it sounded nothing, and then the song sounded differently, and it was bad. Why and and the singer bad? and the singer was infuriating. <laughs> I think just I've read too many message boards. That's that's you got to stop doing that. You got to stop doing that. Hey, look, they're there. They're talking about me. What am I supposed to do? Not look at it. But the, the you're do gonna, you do it? You're gonna. Of course, I look yeah, at reviews of Washed Up Emo. Yeah. But here's the thing. I know that if someone writes something shitty, mm-hmm. that it takes like it takes more effort for someone that says something nice. Yeah. So if I see something <laughs> nice. And I see like five negative things. That nice thing weighs more. That's a good way to think about it. I don't I... really feel like it's happening. Like I'm good with it now, but like I've got like 
I've got like a decade of like your voice is absolutely awful. Like having like, oh my god been drilled into me. Uh, Are you kidding? No, my choir teacher uh, told me that uh, my voice had the timbre of a chainsaw. Wow. Isn't that a nice thing to hear from your choir teacher? Long Island, everybody. But then I ended up, uh, I ran and became the choir president because I wanted to piss him off. Nice. Did you win? Yeah. Congratulations. He was bummed. (laughs) (laughs) So, lesson learned. Yeah. Keep singing. Oh, no. If you want to listen to Worry, just do it. It's going to be free online. So, just find it and then listen to it. I don't know. It's low risk. And go see. I think it's a good record, but it's certainly a low risk record. Yeah, and go see us on tour. The two bands, Katie Ellen and Hard Girls, are very good. So you'll see them. And then, you know, you'll be like a little drunk at that point and we'll sound better. (laughs) Or you won't be. And uh, the person you're there with will be and they'll be be annoying you. (laughs) So, you know, I don't know. Cool. Come to the show. We're playing tons of gigs. Awesome. (laughs) Anything else you want to tell the people? Uh,. I don't know. Uh, oh, yeah. Vote, I guess. Uh, yeah, that's People big. know that. But also, here's something I want to say. Yes. Um, you Jeff. Know, I don't. You probably know this. You seem like a smart guy. Do you know that like every seat in the House is up for re-election? I it's, did not know that. Yeah. Every single seat in the House is up for re-election. So as we're talking about like Trump and Clinton, like remember like Obama couldn't get any good shit through. Because, yeah. Well, that's, I mean, a lot of it was because of Congress, yes. you know? Um, so, hey, vote for those representatives so, like, if Hillary wins, I hope, uh, like, we can actually move forward or progress in our fucking country. And don't forget your local elections, your mayors, your yeah. local reps. Those are the people that are going to fix your sidewalks it's true. and make everything right. Those are the people that run your fucking police department. Like, look out for it, you know? Do this stuff that's on a low level, too, not just the celebrities that are... Having a rock'em sock'em robots match against each other, Pretty you much. know. <laughs> uh, pray everybody. How many people is <laughs> your podcast? Everyone in America? Did we do it? Did we solve it? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> what do you want to talk about more? Nine eleven or that guy at the pizza place? Seriously, but uh, you know what? I'm glad that we <laughs> talked about that. Does that come up a lot? Of, a lot of your podcasts? What pizza mercado? Uh, either of those things? No. Perfect. <laughs> Pizza. I feel like if you're a good pizza guy, like why do you want to do something else? And they're it's the same. Like literally, it tastes the same. And guess what? That's why it's still there. Yeah, yeah. If you want to do yeah, something, in, if you want to win in New York, you make your fucking pizza right, and people will come back. If it's it true. sucks, they're gone. Yeah. People, when you come to New York and you see two Italian restaurants, and one of them's packed in a line, and the other one is empty, guess what? I disagree with this theory. Why? Italian restaurants or pizza places? Italian restaurants. Okay, never mind. Oh, pizza restaurants, then it's 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 a front. Yeah, because sometimes people are there because it's the fucking pizza. All the dumb shits told them we're good. Yeah. They don't know. And a guys, hole in the wall is better. I am not a fan of dollar pizza. I, if, you, oh. if you're with me, I can help you on the locations for dollar pizza. But I will suggest moving up a notch to like I'm 250 actually, I'm kind of down with dollar pizza. Really? Well, but I mean, this is as somebody who's eaten like real. By the way, we, we should just talk about pizza for the rest of it. Uh, um, yeah, I've had dollar pizza like two times. And I just remember thinking both times like, this isn't that bad. Like, I feel like the worst pizza you're going to get is going to be a B plus no matter what. Like, I've only had three like deplorable slices of pizza in my life. Really? Yeah. 
Oh, it's happened a lot in New York for me. Yeah. What happened to Rosario's? Is that still open? I don't know where that is. Oh, you don't? It's no. in the it's in the Lower East Side. Oh, okay. It's, I, it was closed when I biked by today. I didn't know if you knew. Which one? No. I uh, Rivington and... Oh, no. That's that's too far down. Oh, wait. Rivington and Stanton. The Rivington with, and Stanton. Is it the one with like the drawings above it and shit? I think no. I always used to go to Two Boots down there. Two I'm boots a is sucker good. for the cornmeal on the crust. Two, two Boots is and good. And they got a little spice, and their special slices are good. They got a really good vegan slice. Their they do. vegan slice is like the best mass-produced vegan yes. slice. Best vegan slice you get in Grand Central Station, probably. Yep. Uh, oh, that's good. Where are the, what other places do you like Okay, pizza? so I like Vinny's in Brooklyn. Vinny's, yeah. Vinny's is the best. Fuck yeah. Uh, and they make a lot of crazy pizzas, but their cheese slice is Cheese slice is like, good. they have all the crazy ones in there. You just go two cheese, yep. and you're yeah. good to go. I like you get cheese, veggie, pepperoni on it. Yep. Like, I don't eat meat, so... I could get all Same. kinds of fake meat just on top of a cheese slice, like I'm at and, a normal and, pizza place. And, and like you don't get a weird meat. look? Nope. They're like, cool. Do you want more vegan stuff in that? And yeah. then you slam your Hi, Jeff. What do you want? Say, no. I don't. I don't want diet. I want all regular right, cheese. Oh. Um, <laughs> Danny's Pizzeria. Yeah, Danny's Pizzeria. I don't think it's Danny's, too. Um, the one right in the Montrose stop. Okay. Uh, that place is great. Great grandma slice. Um I really like the place right at the Bedford L. I think it's Anna Maria's is what it's called. Right at the L. <clears throat> right at the L. That I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. That place is, I've only been there like once or twice, but it was fucking super good. And they're really mean to you, which is fun. Which is fine. Um, it, it's like, it, they're like New York mean. So you're just like, oh, you're doing a thing for the tourists. And I think that's sick. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, and, uh, the, and if I'm getting fancy pizza, I'm going to go to Polly G's. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say what about joke. Oh my god. Artichoke. Artichoke is a pizza for those of you who are listening. It's like pizza crust, but it's like twice the pizza crust. It's, and it, then it's just a bowl of spinach artichoke dip and cheese so melted on top of it. Good. That shit's like I wish it wasn't so good. It's hard not to eat it because you so bad for you. I don't care that there's tourists. I'll wait in line. Yeah. I'll totally here. wait in line. I don't feel like that's tourists. I feel like that's just people who are like Oh really? That's just I us? need to eat this. <laughs> Again, right? Because we're having this conversation. So artichoke, what else do I like? I liked Rosario's, but that was closed when I drove by or biked by. What else? Trying to think. I was always, um, I was kind of unimpressed by the pizza in uh, in that area in Manhattan. I'm sorry. Really? So just in, in Manhattan I in general? Long, I, I Well, no, I don't, I don't know all the pizza in Manhattan, so that's unfair to say. But I thought Ben's, uh, like in Greenwich Village, was really good. Um, I thought Ray's Bagel Cafe had good pizza. But like it didn't seem better than Long Island pizza to me. No, I And I like... thought Duamichi fucking... I Where was like that? Duamichi. Where's that? It was that? like 13th and 3rd, I think. It was okay. around there. Maybe it was Union Square and 3rd. Um, and there was a Moray pizza on 14th. I know what Union you're talking Square. about. Yeah, that was shit. Like all these p- places were fine, but like they weren't great. I liked Rays. I always think Rays are generally good. I think They're if fine. you call yourself a Rays, like you're gonna. Have I a think good you've like. Slice. I feel like if you got Rays, you've like paid somebody off to use it because that's in all the tourist books. Oh, like yeah. I feel like you paid kind of like the medallion and the cab. You paid somebody to get to use Rays. I I mean I kind of feel like if your restaurant's named Rays. You just, you could just name your restaurant Ray's. 
Maybe anybody can do it because there's original. You've seen the Seinfeld. There's original. Why don't we? Famous Rays. Did we just figure out what we're franchising? I just. I. We don't have the money to open a restaurant. You're right. We we can't do it. You're right. We don't. You have any fucking good restaurant ideas I've had? Like all I do is smoke weed and eat snacks. Like, yeah, I've thought of good restaurants. I don't have any money. A friend opened a taco restaurant. Yeah, and now he has three. What restaurant in the city? Otto's Tacos. Oh shit! It's a friend of mine who works to work at a digital company. That's cool. But it's good shit. Yeah. But I I couldn't believe it. I miss Cosmic Cantina. Where was that? That was on like Third and Tenth, and uh, it was great. That a really good chimichanga there. is really uh What's the really me- manageable chimichanga manageable is a good word possible. yeah um what up the top the mexican place on 14th a little small place i have no artega idea. oh oh wait hotel tortuga the place yeah. with the vegan yeah. breakfast yeah my friend uh is a server there i love julie that ortegon place. what's up julie ortegon i love that place yeah it's great well did you go to curly's before that the yes place? yeah it's the same people did you know that no that was where curly's moved to oh yeah that's why i love it Curly's was fun, but it was so packed all the fucking time. And, and now it's artichoke. Fucking my favorite restaurant, I just realized walking by a couple months ago, is gone. VP2. So in, what? It's only Red Bamboo now. Soy and Sake closed, and that like that sucked. That was a bummer. That was a hard hit. But, uh, that was like where I went to any time. It was my birthday. It was Christine's birthday. It was their anniversary. Uh, just Valentine's Day. If it was just a fucking day. But the crispy soul chicken at VP two, that was my jam. And actually, that's the first. They, ha- they don't have that at Red Bamboo. They have I always it thought as they had the sandwich. same menus. No, it's it's a like sandwich thing. You can't just order a fucking box of the crispy soul. And funny enough, okay. I had crispy soul at VP two September tenth, two thousand one. Crazy. I probably ate at Dragonfly, the original Zoyan sake that day. I know exactly what I did. I was playing. You th- I think everybody knows that they, what they were doing because whatever they were doing. But I remember the day so before. So fucking meaningless. Yeah. I was playing Cubert. Yeah. And I was listening to RX Bandit's record Progress <laughs> and just thinking like, yeah, man, we need a change in this world. Then the next morning, I was like, oh, fuck. It, it changed. No. Yeah. But yeah. All right. So we've helped cool. everybody with pizza. <laughs> And we brought it back to 911. <laughs> as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, wait, we can bring it back to 911. <laughs> then, yeah, it's really cool. Good luck. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It feels completely ridiculous that I'm a willing participant. Gazing at the purple pigs in the shadow of a bank sponsor. Skyline, unite against the establishment. Hello, Washed Up Emo fans. Thank you for listening to this podcast over the last nine plus years. Or if it's your first time, welcome. It has flown by, and I appreciate each and every one of you for listening. And for this current episode you're about to hear, I do have a favor of you. I have some books out right now called Anthology of Emo, and Volume 2 was released last fall. I really think you'll dig it if you haven't heard of them. It features guests from the podcast, including Jim Atkins from Jimmy World, Chris Conley from Saves the Day, Travis Shuttle from Piebald, and John Bunch from Sensefield. I've also 
reprinted volume one so you can order both. Check out the DIY publishing at anthologyofemo.com.